And have a seat. Made it through the whole ski trip without getting hurt or anything, and then on the plane ride home yesterday, got this. So, um, but it sounds worse than I feel. So, <clears throat> just bear with my um, gravelly voice a little bit. <coughs> but um, we are in a series uh, called uh, Fresh Start: New Attitude, New Year. And uh, with that, we are, we are just uh, we are wanting to tone, tune in to being more like Jesus. We have based this on Philippians chapter 2, and in that chapter, Paul exhorts us saying, if you have any benefit from following God, if, if there's been any joy or if there's been any good that's come out of your Christian experience, if, if you have a desire to change the world, if you want to live in unity with one another, then please have the mind of Christ. And then he goes on to describe what that means, that giving up his divine authority, took on human flesh, submitted himself in obedience to the Father, and ultimately died a criminal's death on a cross. But the Father then glorified him by raising his name above every other name, that in the name of Jesus every knee shall bow and every tongue confess. Uh, that, that Jesus is King of Kings. That's that's sort of our basis in that. And each week we're taking one of those traits that we think describes the mind of Christ. The first week we talked about humility. Uh, that that idea that that uh, you have to be willing to to not think less of yourself, but think of yourself less, right? Of, of, of sort of shrinking and not needing the limelight that Jesus, uh, instead of holding on to and clinging that, that power and authority that he had, was willing to let go of that for our sake. Last week, uh, Spencer talked <clears throat> about uh, surrender, uh, that we, we need to surrender our, our will to God, that ultimately we need to be obedient to Him, that He is our authority, that despite our ego and, and all, all that we want to see happen, we, we need to submit ourselves to Him. The passage He talked about was in the Garden of Gethsemane when Jesus was on His way to the cross and in the garden He knelt down and said, Lord, if there's any way that we can not do it this way, I'm, I'm in for that, but ultimately not my will but yours. This morning, uh, we're going to talk about sacrifice. Sacrifice is our word today. And, and you'll notice as we go through these, there's overlay and, and uh, commonality in, in all of these terms, which I think uh, is because that it's all wrapped in a person, Jesus Christ. And so they all uh, reflect back to him. But sacrifice is our, our term this morning. And I don't know of a more essential element of the Christian marriage than a uh, marriage message. <laughs> well, it works both ways, but <laughs> the message other than sacrifice. I mean, it stands at the heart of who Jesus is. The, the symbol that we normally associate with our faith, the cross is a, is a, a, a remembrance of what he was willing to do for us. That even being God, submitted himself 
gave himself over to death, even death on a cross. That he was willing to do for others, not what benefited him, but what benefited others. He did the hard thing, the painful thing, the thing that that didn't bring dividend to him, but elevated those around him. Sacrifice. It, you, it's, it's really hard to talk about a Christian life where sacrifice isn't a major part of it, except in the common way we think of church nowadays. I think this is one of the places where, where the church is losing its edge in that we've become more of a consumeristic vehicle to entertain people and meet their needs rather than a vehicle to help you come closer to Christ so that you join in with Him in, in sacrificing for others. And so sacrifice within the church has become sort of a taboo or even a, 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 a dirty word among some. But I believe sacrifice is, is, is the essential thing that we need to be uh, seeking. And, and the church isn't the only time we, we hear about sacrifice. We, we recognize and we respect sacrifice in many different areas. Uh, as, as you watch playoff football or, or professional sports, you, you, you're, you're taken by the sacrifice it has taken these people to work their skills to a level that they're at. Uh, for your own life, it, there may be someone you can think of in your life who was willing to give of themselves so that you could be raised up. Maybe a mom or a dad or grandparents who they never were able to live the good life, but they they sacrificed so that maybe you were a first-generation college student because they they sacrificed themselves so that you could step a little higher than them. Or a teacher or a coach that, that took a special interest in you and spent extra time with you calling out that talent within you that maybe others didn't see or that you didn't see in yourself and made you better because of it. Or on a national basis, we, we, we give thanks all the time for those who were willing to be a part of the armed services and make the sacrifice of, of putting themselves in harm's way. And for many of you, you have family or friends that did that and didn't come back. And we, we talk about that ultimate sacrifice of giving yourself for the freedom, for uh, the, the, uh, the freedom. Of, of the people of this nation. Sacrifice, it's, it's one of those terms that we can easily relate to. And, and I think all of us would like to be the kind of people in, in our minds, we, we would like to be the kind of people that if we were put to the test, we would like to think, oh yeah, if, if it came down to it, I would sacrifice in a, in a moment. And that's great to idealize, but the fact of the matter is, we have a hard time even sacrificing little things in our life because we're too busy or that's the night of my favorite show or well I have kids or I don't have kids whatever it might be we when it comes down to it we we have a hard time sacrificing because we we enjoy just being comfortable and and I'm not against comfortability other than that's the devil's best tool to use against us. It's okay to do things you enjoy. It's okay to, to enjoy life. But 
if we are going to have the mind of Christ, if we're going to seek to be his follower, sacrifice has to be a part of that. It's, it's more than just knowing that Jesus loves you. Jesus said, if you want to be my follower, you must pick up your cross, deny yourself, and follow me. Pick up your cross. You have to be willing to suffer for others. You have to be willing to do the hard thing for others. You have to be willing to die to yourself. And you have to be willing to make him leader so that you can be follower. We're we're going to talk about this in relation to one of the parables that Jesus told. We're going to be in John chapter 10, beginning in verse 1, going through verse 18. I tell you the truth, anyone who sneaks over the wall of the sheepfold rather than going through the gate must surely be a thief and a robber. But the one who enters through a gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep recognize his voice and come to him. He calls out his own sheep by name and leads them out. After he has gathered his own flock, he walks ahead of them, and they follow him because they know his voice. They won't follow a stranger. They will run from him because they don't know his voice. Those who heard Jesus use this illustration didn't understand what he meant, which is about 90% of the time when Jesus was teaching, that was the reaction of the people around him. So if you have ever struggled trying to understand the Bible, welcome to the club. You have good company, right? So he explained it to them. I tell you the truth, I am the gate for the sheep. All who came before me were thieves and robbers, but the true sheep did not listen to them. Yes, I am the gate. Those who come in through me will be saved. They will come and go freely and will find good pastures. The thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. A hired hand will run when he sees a wolf coming. He will abandon the sheep because they don't belong to him and he isn't their shepherd. And so the wolf attacks them and scatters the flock. The hired hand runs away because he's working only for the money and doesn't really care about the sheep. I'm the good shepherd. I know my own sheep and they know me just as the father knows me and I know the father. So I sacrifice my life for the sheep. I have other sheep too that are not in this sheepfold. I must bring them also. They will listen to my voice and there will be one flock with one shepherd. (coughs) The Father loves me because I sacrifice my life so I might take it back again. No one can take my life from me. I sacrifice it voluntarily. For I have the authority to lay it down when I want to and also to take it up again. For this is what my Father has commanded. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So this parable Jesus uh, uses is about shepherd and sheep. And he says, I am the good shepherd. And he talks about how he is the one who lets, uh, who guards the gate. And the only way into the fold is through him. This is John 10. You go to John 14. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. The idea behind this is our relationship with God is dependent upon a person named Jesus Christ. None of us deserve a relationship with God. 
The whole reason Jesus had to come, the whole reason he had to give up divine authority and take on human form and live and give himself to death on a cross was because that is our only pathway to a relationship with our Father God in eternity. We can't do it on our own. And he says, the sheep come in through me and I know my sheep and my sheep know me and they recognize my voice. And they come to me. Point number one. The sheep recognizes the voice and the shepherd knows the sheep. In this book that we're doing, Dynamite Prayer, it's, we're, we're trying to sort of kickstart and restart our, our prayer habit and doing that corporately. But uh, what, I'm, what I'm praying for, for for all of us is that this is this is a time where that that relationship with God just gets renewed and, and the, the, the fire inside of us gets relit once again, right? How, how do you hear the voice of God? How do, you, how do you recognize a voice? It's by familiarity, right? In, in today's world, on, on our phones, when somebody calls you, their picture shows up, if you know them, right? So the mystery's out of it. But back in the day of rotary dial um, and stuff, like when Lori and I was, were dating and you had, the fellow, you had the cord that you wrapped around yourself 14 times and everything... When she called me, I never had to say, who is this? Or when my daughters call, and I, I never, who am I talking to, right? Because I know them, and they know me. We, we have developed an intimacy through our relationship that means that I have such a deep knowledge of them that there's a familiarity. And Jesus says, my sheep know me and recognize my voice. So my first question to you is, what are you doing to get yourself familiar with the voice of God? How, how, how are you doing that? Paul talks about pray without ceasing. So there, there is this idea that we should go through life always being uh, aware of who God is and, and what he's doing around us and always have a mindset that we're mindful that he's with us wherever we go. If you're doing this book at the end of, of each little day, there's a little uh, three or four or five word phrase for you to take with you for the day as a reminder of, of how to sort of tune into the power of the Spirit. But are, are you in prayer with Him? I think a lot of us rely on corporate worship to become familiar with the voice of God and we leave out the personal prayer time. Right? I am so happy you're here, and I, I believe that there is, there is a teaching in the Bible about corporate worship, and I think it's beneficial to us, but you are not going to become familiar with God's voice if all you do is listen to me or your Sunday school teacher, right? You need your own experience of His voice. Just as there's scriptural teaching about gathering corporately, there's also scriptural teaching about going off by yourself in the prayer room where no one knows to be praying for him. Jesus gave us an example that no matter how busy he was and how many sick people still needed to be healed or how many miracles still needed to be done, he would find time to steal away and go spend time with the Father by himself. 
The fact of the matter is through the, through the years we've either emphasized corporate worship or personal, personal devotion time. And, and I have people tell me all the time, well, I don't need to go to church. I, God hears me if I pray to him by myself. And that's right. He does. But if all you're doing is personal devotion, you're missing out on what he gives us corporately. And if you're only doing corporate worship, you're missing out what he does personally. And the fact of the matter, we need both of those together. They feed into one another. We, 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 we begin to become more familiar with his, his teachings. I hope you're in some kind of small group or Bible study or, or covenant group where you, you visit about scripture and you talk to one another about how God is leading you. And if you, the major way we hear God's voice is through his word. The Bible is his best revelation to us. Are you putting yourself in a position where you are familiar with the Word of God, where you're hearing His voice. And, and don't, I, I, don't freak out. I'm not saying that there's always an audible voice of God like when I'm praying. This week, David, I would like you to pray for... That's not, that I, that's not the way it usually happens. I'm not saying He can't do that, but that's not the experience of most people, right? It, for me, it usually comes in an affirmation or a settling of my spirit or, or even a rebuke of my spirit where I'm headed in a direction and the Spirit of God grabs a hold of me and says, whoa, 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 what are you doing? That, that's not who I am. But we, we need to put ourselves in a position where we recognize the shepherd's voice. And that, that's... That's on you. I mean, there is a sacrifice involved in that. By coming here this morning, you've, you've lived out a little sacrifice. You had to get up, get ready, um, come and give up whatever else you could be doing. That's a level of sacrifice. If you're going to do a daily uh, time with God, there, there is a sacrifice in that. It's a, it's a prioritizing something that's for the good of, of many instead of just what is best for me. Are you hearing the voice of God? The other thing that jumps out at me is um, Jesus says, I, I, I know the Father, the Father knows me, and I know the sheep. Right? And it just it reminds me of how important relationship is in this whole thing called Christianity. Before we jump into more deep stuff about sacrifice, I just want to make sure that you understand that Christian living is not behavior modification. Christian living is falling in love with Jesus who gave himself for you over and over again. That is the goal of the Christian life. We get so enamored with the checklist of the good people and the bad people, when the fact of the matter is we're all bad people who a good shepherd saved. That is, that is the grace of God. He doesn't, he's not looking for you to hit the checklist. He's looking for you to give yourself to him 
And then He, the Good Shepherd, will lead you into green pastures and protect you from the enemy. The enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy. I came to give you life and give it to you in the fullest or give it to you abundantly. Right? I don't know how you word it. People are comfortable with different ways of saying it, whether it's devil, evil, um, spiritual warfare, however you want to word that. There is a battle for your soul. And, and the enemy would like nothing more than to see, to deceive you into thinking that personal time with God is not important or that your, your corporate time with God is not important. And all that's going to do is still kill and destroy your spiritual life. It leads to destruction, but following Jesus leads to life, an abundant life. A relationship is what's essential to him. It goes with that hearing his voice. You have to give yourself over. I mean, the reason, how many of you have been married for more than three weeks? Okay. How many of you have had a fight with your spouse? It's okay. We can be honest. We're not taking pictures or anything. Bryant, you get that? Okay. Um, right? Any loving relationship, there's going to be ups and downs and back and forth, right? If, if Lori and I could only stay together because every day was sweet and wonderful, we would have been divorced a long time ago, right? But in a loving relationship, you work through it and you give yourself and the other one gives themselves. And in this relationship with Jesus, he's given himself completely. And even when we mess up, His grace is there to still carry us and maintain a relationship. He's he's wanting to move us closer to Him all the time. We call it sanctification, of being remade in the image of God, from taking us where we are to where He wants us to be. And And the fact of the matter is, Christian life is going to be, what the desire is, is that we're on a constant trajectory towards that perfection. We, we're not going to reach it on this side of eternity, but hopefully every day we're a little closer to Him. We let, and that comes through trial and error and, and start and stop <coughs> of good days and bad days, but not giving up on the relationship. The other thing in, in marriage and deep relationships is you can't always go on emotion either. I hope when you got married, you thought they were the the best thing since sliced bread. But over the years, they just turn into an annoying thing you have to look at every morning. (laughs) Right? But that commitment allows love to continue to grow. I love hearing testimonies from older couples that that are more in love after seventy years than they were at the beginning because they paid the price on the other end for that love. It's not that young love is unnecessary. I mean, it's beautiful. It's just stupid. (laughs) But that older confirmed love that has been battle tested, and that's the kind of love God has for you. He's never going to give up. He, he, once you're in his, he, he, he 
protects his sheep. That's what shepherds do. He loves you. And we know from other parables that if he's got a hundred sheep and one leaves, he's going to leave the 99 to chase the one. He loves you. And what he wants from you is for you to seek to love him just as much. Verse 11, I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. A hired hand will run when he sees a wolf coming. He will abandon the sheep because they don't belong to him and he isn't their shepherd. And so the wolf attacks them and scatters the flock. The hired hand runs away because he's working only for the money and doesn't really care about the sheep. In Ezekiel 34, there's a passage about uh, where God is calling out the religious leaders of the time saying, I, I made you, I developed a priesthood and I placed my spirit on you so that you could lead the, the people and be my representative to them and, and, and love them and care for them. But that's not what you did at all. You used your power for your own benefit and you, you have, you have completely let me down. And then he goes on to say, so I myself will be the good shepherd. So that's Old Testament. We come here. Jesus is now speaking. And any time Jesus is teaching, not only were there crowds of people who were interested in what he was having to say, but every time there's a crowd, there's also some of the religious leaders there listening, not because they're, they want to learn from Jesus, but they're there to trap him that he might say something that they can use against him later. So Jesus knows those ears are there. And he's, and he says, so, um, these people that call themselves shepherds, but they're not shepherds. They're just hired hands. They don't really care about you. They're going to leave the first time they don't get anything out of the deal. Right? They're, they're only in it for the benefit, for the, the paycheck. Now, certainly this is aimed at people like me who are uh, in a leadership position, full-time ministry, called to serve others, but it doesn't let you off the hook. Because all of us are called to be ministers of the gospel, right? By the Great Commission. Go into all the world, make disciples, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and teach them everything I've taught you. All of us are called to that. And the hired hand thing, here, here's how I, I want you to understand it. The hired hand is when you do the work, you get the reward. When you do the work, you get the reward. What Jesus is aiming at is you do the work even when there's no reward. That's sacrificial living, right? It's easy when you give something and get equal in return. When you, when you offer something and get more back in return, that's not a sacrifice. That's fair trade. Sacrificial living means I give something, and I'm probably not going to get anything back. Isn't that what Jesus did for us? That's what the cross was all about. He without sin became sin for us, paid the price so that we could have a life with his Father. His reward was death, right? And so if we're going to have the mind of Christ and the heart of Christ, then we need to move from a hired hand mentality, which goes along with that consumerism I was talking about before, where, well, I'll do it if I get something for it, right? But this kind of sacrificial leaving means I'm willing to invest, attend, 
provide even when it has nothing to do with me and I'm probably not going to benefit from it at all. I, I, when we talk about children's ministry, a lot of times people tell me, well, I'm not going to help there. I don't have kids. That's, that's hired hand mentality. Right? Sacrificial living means I don't have kids, but I know how it feels to have those little brats in my house. And so I'll give an hour and a half of my week to give those moms and dads some fresh air so they don't kill those little brats when they get home. <laughs> That's sacrificial living. That's, I mean, there's so many examples within the church of you might not uh, uh, like contemporary worship or you don't find that your, your favorite, but being a part of a church and, and continuing to invest in a church that says we, we want the best not only in our traditional worship, but we want the best in our contemporary worship because we want to invest in that. Even if it never benefits, even if I never walk in there for that service ever, I'm going to pray for them and I'm going to support The hired hand mentality always needs to be recognized. They need their picture in the newsletter. They need an article written about them. They need to be publicly thanked. And and those are good practices for our volunteers. But that's sacrifice means I'm willing to do it even if I get nothing. Because I'm not doing it for recognition. I'm doing it for the glory of God. Jesus sacrificed for me. Now he's asking me to sacrifice for others. I'm joining in the suffering of Christ, Philippians chapter 3. The fellowship of suffering with Jesus Christ. Since I moved to Curva, one of the things I've just been amazed at in this whole community is the level of volunteerism that exists here. It's just, it's different from any other community I've been in. And in this church, it's, it's pervasive as well. And, and I mean, honestly, the, the things that we're able to do as a church without the volunteers that we have, we wouldn't be able to do a tenth of what we do without, without volunteerism, right? So don't hear me. I'm, I'm challenging us. Remember, I said uh, that we're on a trajectory, and I don't care how deep you're in, God wants you deeper, right? And so he's continually calling us. So I'm, I, I don't want you to think I don't recognize and appreciate what you do. I'm so proud of this church and, and the many volunteers and efforts and generosity that are exhibited here. But God's always beckoning us for more. We let him in one room and he wants to clean up the whole house. Right? That's how he works. When you join, if you're a member of this church, you've made Vows to, to share your prayers, your presence, your gifts, your service, and your witness or your story with this local church, right? And for, for most of us, we, we try to do uh, a little bit of that. And, and for most of us, we're better at one or two of those than we are the others. Might I suggest to you, as you think of those prayers, presence, gifts, service, story, which one do you feel the Holy Spirit sort of pushing you on? Hey, you could do a little better here. I'll guarantee you whatever one it is, is the one you don't want it to be. 
Because that's where growth happens, right? (laughs) Where might we move from hired hand mentality where we expect something? Well, I've I've been a member of this church forever. That's, That's hired hand mentality. I'm here to serve and give myself for others. That's mine to Christ. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and they know me. Just as my father knows me and I know the father. So I sacrifice my life for the sheep. I have other sheep too that are not in this sheepfold. And I must bring them also. They will listen to my voice and there will be one flock with one shepherd. Part of that hired hand mentality leads us into this sort of closed gate mentality where we got in and we're really happy and we got great gas and too bad for the suckers that didn't get in. They deserve it anyway. Again, not the mind of Christ. What the mind of Christ says is that there is not one person who has ever been created by our Lord God that he does not love and want in the fold. That's why Jesus came, to die for all mankind. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. He said, I am a flock, but it's not full yet. And there's some others outside, and I want them too so that they learn to recognize my voice as well. Well, part of us dying with Christ so that we can be raised with Him means that our our um, emphasis becomes what His emphasis is, and His emphasis is saving lost people. We need to quit railing against the darkness and take light into the darkness. That's the difference. We, we are not called to judge the outside world and tell all the reasons why they're not good as us. We need to take the, the good news to them. And let me help you with that. The way you're living is going to send you to hell. is not good news. There is a God who loves you, who has loved you before you were even born, who loves you every day of your life, but He has plans for you and and when you give yourself to him, he can lead you into a life that's more satisfying than anything you thought you could ever know. That's good. And do you know how many people need to hear that good news? And folks, we can't just continue to be a consumeristic church that is just happy that we got in the fold. I just long for the day when our church has such a hunger for lost people that we celebrate it. That when people come in that don't know what to do in church, we're not like disgusted by it. We praise God for it, that people who don't know how to do church are coming in this place. And that when lives are changed and baptisms happen and corners are reached, that we celebrate that and praise God for it. It's the heart of Christianity. That evangelical nature, forget the politics name of evangelical, the taking the good news to the world evangelical. That's who we're called to be. Go into all the world and make disciples, baptize in the name of Father, Son, Holy Spirit, teach them all the things that I taught. That's evangelism. And, and I know it's scary. 
But remember, we're not hired hands. We're sacrificial. We are, we are seeking Christ, trying to be like Christ. And here we go. You may get into a conversation you don't know how to get out of. You may have an awkward conversation. You may, you may offend somebody, but that's called sacrifice. When we look at what Jesus was willing to do for us in order to win our soul, and now we're partners with Christ, what are you willing to do to win another soul? And some of us don't need to look too far even within our family of the folks that desperately need to know God. Sacrificial living. It's, it, it's hard. It's uncomfortable. It pushes on every little button that you have. But if you, if you go back to that Philippians passage, Jesus gave himself to death, even death on a cross. But then God raised him up made His name above every other name. In the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And we are promised that if we die with Christ, we will be raised in glory with Christ. The sacrifice you made will ultimately pale in comparison for what God has done for you. Let's move beyond what we deserve what we like, and let's do what's best for the kingdom of heaven. Bow with me, let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your patience with us and your love for us, that you are willing, you are willing to send your son to, to pay the price for us. And God, even with, with all the good that he's done, we still, we still push back against your love. And your patience still remains. We make ourselves hard to love, but you love us anyway. And God, we, we, want, we want to be transformed in that way. And we can't do it just by a decision of will. We can't do it by just trying harder. The only way, it's gonna, is it, the only way we're going to ever make progress in this is when we, when we develop that intimate relationship with you. When we begin to, to recognize and, and listen for your voice. And we give access to your Holy Spirit to do, to just explode your your dynamite power within our life. I want to live for you. I want my life to matter. I want to glorify you by the way I live. Come, Holy Spirit. Amen.